as we speak, there are alliances being formed between farmers, product producers, and retailers. They're working to change our way of eating. Why? Because the world's food system is unsustainable. Our food system is the biggest sinner when it comes to climate change. In fact, it's the single largest emitter of greenhouse gases. If we want to fulfill the Paris Agreement on climate, we'll need to get more sustainable food products on the shelves. And when it comes to how countries are doing in relation to fulfilling the UN Sustainable Development Goals ambitions, the Nordic countries are generally leading the pack. But when it comes to how we produce food and what we eat, there's a lot of room for improvement. In this episode, we ask the question, what can be done to get more sustainable products into our shopping carts? I'm Afton Halloran, and you're listening to the Nordic Talks podcast. The reason why it's unsustainable is just because as a global society, we've become trained to eat in a certain way. And as we've continued to grow, I mean, in just exponential numbers, it's just not a sustainable way to continue feeding ourselves. The voice you've just heard belongs to Alan Ramos. He's the program and startup coordinator for the ProVeg Incubator in Berlin. It's the world's first business hub to exclusively support new firms developing plant-based products and cultured meat food technologies. Ellen participated in an online Nordic talk recorded in Estonia as a part of the Food Innovation Summit. And in a few moments, he'll explain much more. We'll also introduce you to some food producers and retailers that will share their perspectives of what can be done about the need to shift our diets in a new direction. But back to Alan and our current food system. Meat production, it just doesn't make sense anymore. Uh, it never really did, uh, but I think it worked at some point uh, when when it first started off. Uh, but now, I mean, as we continue to grow, the the, the amount of resources that, that we have to, to produce it are, are finite. So it, we need to change the way that, that, that we eat. And, and that's why it's an exciting time to see so many great products, companies, uh, innovation being made in this space because it's it's long overdue. One example of an innovator is Oatly, the Swedish company producing dairy-like products based on plants. Cecilia McAlevey is the company's director of sustainable eating and public affairs. She finds that nowadays, the awareness of the need to change is high. There's been a lack of knowledge. That's also why we've landed in where we are today. We didn't know about the impact of the food system on the planet's resources or the climate a few years ago. But now we have the science showing that we need to shift the system and it's urgent. We have an unsustainable system driven by economics and politics, where as a farmer, in order to be able to survive today, you have to increase your volumes. We have a system that promotes industrial large-scale farms uh, instead of uh, diversified uh, farms and where uh, animal production is more profitable than crop production. So I think there are there are a number of different factors that have contributed to where we are today. Uh, I also think that we have a uh, 
a system, a food system, not only the food system, a society that is driven by price and competition is set by price. And we have a situation where price, uh, when it comes to food, it doesn't reflect the real costs. Uh, the price doesn't include the externalities. The, that is the huge impact uh, it has on the uh, planet. And we have developed a lifestyle today where we make both our planet sick and ourselves. I mean, we teach our children uh, lifestyles which are completely unsustainable. So we need to accommodate shifts in so many different ways. And there's only gains to be won by this. Okay, so before we go back to food companies to find out how they can take action on this, let's go to the supermarket. If you're speaking about the plant-based foods, the quality and the price are not there yet to, to become mainstream. Maris Ranus is from Estonia. She's the category management director of Rimi, one of the Baltic's largest retail chains. If these will be sold and becoming more like suitable for the like mainstream customers, then we are also ready to like merchandise and then put more uh, power in there. But currently what we do in Rimi is that uh, we also are putting these uh, special vegan type of things uh, to the special freezers. And we have been also doing different uh, tests that if we sell them from the special freezers or we sell them from the like uh, conventional categories, then we see that actually uh, the both ways are working. So we need to understand where are these customers, are the flexitarians or are the pure vegans? And uh, it, especially we need to understand it's, it's more about the flexitarians actually who are going now to this uh, plant-based products and uh, to offer them the goods what they need. We in Rimi are really believing that that uh, we have to like understand where our foods are coming, how they are produced, and to uh, build up more assortment about uh, sustainably uh, sources. So and also about the health, the health has for us as a retailers is uh, really really important, and we encourage our customers to uh, buy more fruits and vegetables, and also are trying to make their choices easier by merchandising in in store. Well, there's no doubt that this is a massive challenge. So it calls for difficult questions to be asked. Is this realistic at all? And can we really save the planet through food innovation? Of course. Cecilia from Oatly. We have to believe that. And so we collaborate with this farmer. And actually, it's an extended research project now where we collaborate with several farmers on transition from animal-based to plant-based. Because we can see that transition needs to take place and we can feed a growing population with the resources we have at our disposal if we change the system. But we have to have incentives there because I think uh, the, the economy is a hindrance. Uh, so there is this uh, farmer, Adam, who has just shifted. Uh, he still has animals on his farm, but he's producing much more uh, that is for direct uh, human consumption and increased from one year to the next the, the share from 10% 
percent to twenty six percent, which is lit a very small marginal change. And by that uh, little change, he managed to triple the number of people that the farm could uh, support or feed, and more than half the greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, so that is like one concrete example of that it can be done. And also looking at it at, from a global point of view, we have people, more people that are uh, overweight and obese than are uh, under, that, that don't have enough food for the day. So it's about a redistribution and doing things differently and having the knowledge and having the tools and the incentives to support the shift. We, as obviously we on this panel are here, the consumers are there. So it's just to go and go faster. Absolutely. I work at the Oatly for the sake of my uh, daughters. Let's reflect a bit more on the hope that Cecilia is expressing. Alan shares this hope, but there's no doubt in his mind that change needs to happen. Of course, there must be a certain kind of realism in place when considering how fast the progress can actually happen. And I think that for the people that are involved uh, in this line of work, uh, there always has to be a, a balance you know, of idealism and, and hope and, and promise, but as well a little bit of reality uh, because you can't be too out of touch with, with the challenge that you have in front of you. Uh, us trying to fix the problems that we've created, you know, through such a long history now through food is a super huge uphill battle that we have. So we can't be too caught up in, in the idealism behind it. We have to be uh, very aware of the reality of the challenge that we have on our hands. But I think that with everything that's coming up, uh, all the new companies that we work with from all around the world, um, it's been incredibly inspiring from the beginning. I mean, because we have founders that come from from Australia, from India, from Chile, from Russia, and they're all under the same roof doing the same thing. We want to change the way that we eat. We want to be the change or drive the change that we want for ourselves, for our families, for our friends. So when you're around that environment, it, it, it motivates you to continue pushing, to continue uh, setting new challenges and, and new goals that you want to achieve, not only professionally, but personally as well, and then tap into your circles and, and spread the message there. Uh, but I think that, as Cecilia was mentioning, I mean, I think that we're, we're on the right track. So by continuing to focus on the way that we produce food, the way that we consume food, the way that we dispose of food as well, then we're setting up ourselves in a very good position to really make significant change when it comes to the environmental problems that we have uh, currently. Can I can I just add there uh, on uh, what Alan is say saying because I think what we also see what what brings me great hope at least is that the consumers are there there is a willingness among consumers I mean we have all your throughout the day witnessed of the incredible growth which is happening within this segment even though it's still small but the 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 growth rate is unheard of within the food industry unheard of so I think we need to have that on board as well when we talk about, because that is what brings hope to me. I would also add that uh, definitely the new generation is there and, and who is like pushing us to provide all those uh, exponential growth and all those goods, what they need. And it's, it's good. Customer is there, definitely. According to Alan, there's a case to be made for companies to brand themselves better. Branding creates a tension around the need to transition towards a more sustainable food system. Anytime with a brand, you're representing a set of values. 
And each time that a customer opts for that brand, they're, they're supporting those values as well. So I think that, you know, when brands are able to showcase the, the, its humanness and the people behind it, uh, it automatically allows people to, to relate right off the bat. Cecilia thinks that branding should be taken one step further. Because if it's not compulsory for food producers to show the climate footprint on their products, it will be difficult for consumers to choose between them climate footprint should be mandatory. It should be because we believe that this is a consumer's right. This is a citizen's right. Because as I, I've said before, the price doesn't guide you in the right direction. Uh, it doesn't say anything about the environmental impact uh, the product has had. So that is a, an important piece of information that is missing today. And there I think retail can help out as well and be much more transparent and also how you nudge in the shops and how to think about decreasing your climate footprint in calculating the climate footprint of what you sell, for instance. So I think this is something we should all help pushing because, I mean, now we do it on all our packages, uh, but there's no point if only we do it uh, because you have to compare it to something and everybody can relate 0.5 to 20, so so to speak. And and the dream scenario would be like, if, if I would know the climate footprint of everything that I consume, like, the headphones, this sweater, uh, my jewelry, et cetera, et cetera. Then I can have a feel for my own footprint and I can feel empowered by actually taking my own well-informed consumer decisions. When I need to make a decision about what to buy, I always wonder whether I can trust the information being given to me on the package. And in this case, I come to think of the term greenwashing. You know, when companies are trying to make you believe that they are doing more to protect the environment than they really are. Maris and Cecilia recognize this phenomenon. We have uh, quite uh, strong sustainability appendixes with our suppliers as we are the part of the ECA group. And we have quite good understanding what our uh, cooperation partners and our vendors are uh, doing with their products. What do they promise? Is it, is it real or not? And unfortunately, also some uh, producers uh, we have had to let go or not uh, being part from our assortment because they don't uh, match the criteria, what we have set. Uh, so, yes, uh, we are following it. It's not easy. Uh, we have getting like also hitbacks from the like, customers because some of those items, what we are like rejecting, uh, are sometimes loved and uh, they are in present in the market. So uh, it's difficult. But also to add up to this topic that I think that sustainability and, and all this is definitely the long-term strategy and uh, cannot be like reached easily. And I think there is still a light in the end of the tunnel because we see already in Estonia that traditional meat producers are also trying to uh, provide and coming to the market with vegetable meatballs. So uh, I think there is uh, quite a lot of things to be done and still a lot to do. Words matter. There's a commitment in words. So if a company says that it's going to be doing something good, that is a first commitment. And then if that is not followed by action, but it's just empty words, there is still a commitment to live up to. And then there is public scrutiny. Isn't that good? Starting off by committing to something and saying you're going to be and do something and then if you do not live up to it and then you're hung out and being scrutinized for it, that's a good thing, isn't it? That's the start. 
you start and if, if you look at any change, because change is hard at a personal level and certainly on a systemic and societal level. But, you know, if you, if you, it always starts with yourself. And you have to start by having a realization and saying it first before the change can happen. So I would like to view the concept of greenwashing in a larger context of change. That is not to say that I think greenwashing is a good thing. But by committing yourself to some kind of promise or some kind of words, you are, to, in today's society, you're also exposing yourself to scrutiny and where you have consumer empowerment. Consumers react and engage in the dialogue. And I mean, we can clearly bear, bear witness to that as a company. And I think that's fantastic. Greenwashing or not, there is one good starting point that everyone can agree on, and that's combating food waste. The awareness of the food waste is uh, increasing and also in Estonia and the Baltics. Just last week we had initiated by the Food Bank and uh, Ministry of Social Affairs uh, the conference about the food waste. Just to build up the awareness and understand how much food do we actually waste and to understand that many of this is coming from the home households. But we as a retailer are also responsible on that and we are also encouraging our customers to waste less and really buy more qualities than quantities. When I was a child, food waste didn't hardly uh, exist because you would always use the leftovers and you wouldn't buy more than you needed. We only have one planet, as we all know, and we have limited resources and a growing population. And we need to be able to, to feed a growing population with the resources we have. That's the thing. The world's population is growing fast and will have more mouths to feed but we can't increase the use of land and natural resources. So apart from trying to avoid and reduce food waste, what do our three speakers recommend us to do? Do not underestimate the power that they have with their purchases. Uh, they have a, a, a huge platform, a huge voice in where they spend their money on. So... You know, if it takes doing a little bit of research into into some of the, the back end of the companies that you're supporting, that little bit of time that you invest in that will go a long way in your purchases and in the impact that you drive through that. But at the same time, don't underestimate the power that you have in, in your own individual actions and in the way that you eat and the way that you consume Um things because I think a lot of times people feel small and they say, what can my individual actions do on a grander level? And it's not about those individual actions, but it's those individual actions being done by a lot of people that later become a bigger change. So I think that's one thing that that to not underestimate as well. And then also, you know, be involved in, in your legislation, be active in pushing for change in terms of legislation that gives us more opportunities to fight for our stable environment. Be informed and make your voice heard and do not only embrace change, but drive change because you are part of the solution. And like every individual does count, you do make a difference. And if you can't feel the big thing, you can feel it for yourself. Just knowing that you're trying to do the best you can for your kids and future generations. That's enough. That would take you long. If we all do it, that will take us far. I think as an individual, uh, people could look more varieties in their daily diets and uh, challenge themselves to have at least one day meat-free uh, in a week. So I find it rather easy 
to do. So I think it's the really small step to take. Our eating habits profoundly affect our individual health and well-being and the health of the planet. While many major decisions about the sustainability of food need to come from the top down, we do hold a lot of power as citizens. Food choices serve as a mirror of our values. With our shopping carts and our forks and knives, we can support sustainable, planet-friendly foods. And if we create a critical mass, we can push agricultural production, product development, and the distribution of food in the right direction. If you want to be part of a live Nordic Talks event, check out Nordic Talks on Instagram to learn more. I'm Afton Halloran. Thanks for listening.